Hello there and welcome back to the Irish Film London podcast season two. I'm your host Neve Brannigan and I'm joined with Jerry Maguire. How are you this week Jerry? I'm very well Neve. thank you very much. It's nice to be back. Good, good. So I didn't do what I said I was going to do. I said I was going to take a leaf out of the book that I should have done and I'm not going to watch Conversation with Friends. I'm not going to binge it. I'm going to just take it all in and enjoy each episode and have gaps in between. What did you do? What did she do? She binged it and it was beautiful. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm glad I binged it in the end. Um, I have to say, I haven't no... got it at all yet. I haven't got a chance mm. to go it at all yet. I've been, been pretty busy with other stuff this last couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, and we will hear about that. Really? Yeah, I think um, I just have no willpower. Uh, but basically, I really enjoyed it. It's beautiful. It's beautifully mm. shot. Um, I mean, the people in it are beautiful. So that always yeah. really helps um, watching. Um, I do I do want to say like for listeners maybe who haven't watched it yet mm. or maybe who have watched it and are kind of thinking the same thing is that because we've kind of gotten the band back together in regards to Lenny and Element and, and all that kind of stuff yeah. you can't compare it to normal people right um, like you can't like put them side by side it's not a sequel yeah. um, you know it's not obviously the same characters or kind of anything to do with that you really kind of have to look at it as a standalone yeah. piece of television you know sure yeah I mean I think there will be a lot of expectation around that for people that like normal people was such a hit especially being the, the first thing that we all flocked to during lockdown and when you see mm. a new Sally Rooney show coming around you might think oh this is going to be normal people yeah. part two or something but it's yeah like my understanding of conversations with friends is that it's very different based mm-hmm. to normal people and I think that's I'm like that's okay you know yeah. I think it's always hard it's kind of feels like that you know that that second song or that second album you know kind of <laughs> yeah. thing of you know it will just take it as a as a thing in itself you know but one thing that I will say that really came up in the last kind of year or two and especially in regards to normal people that really brought it to the forefront was I really found the sex scenes really kind of true and genuine and like delicately handled and right. you know that kind of thing because the intimacy coach on it is like one of the best in the biz I think isn't she? This is true yeah Ita O'Brien I think is her name um, yeah like she's the UK's leading intimacy coordinator and I know I remember from speaking to Lenny Last year, when we were talking about his work in January last year, he was talking about working with Ida and how important it was for him to to make sure that people on the set that he's directing are respected and looked after and that the product, like the visual product that comes out is not gratuitous, that it's mm-hmm. something deeper and more meaningful. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think as well, actually one thing, I actually probably would have loved to see it as a film. Um, okay. as kind of one consecutive so I don't know I wonder would anyone else feel like that so I'd be interested to see what you think when you, when you get a chance oh. to watch it but um, <laughs> but uh, enjoyed it nonetheless um, but another cool thing that's come out finally for people who didn't get to catch it at the Virgin Media um, Dublin Film Festival uh, festival was Colleen Kewan is now released yes a big release like mm. across Ireland and the UK it's 
just really made its mark. It's I've heard Smashing it. one of the distributors call it the little film that could. <laughs> you no. know, it's, um, I mean, it's really it's met our expectations for it. We were always really excited about it at Irish Film London, but I read that it took over a hundred thousand euros on its opening weekend, which is a massive deal for a small film, let alone a film as Gaelica. Um, there's been loads of stories of people watch who watched it and shared their comments about it on on social media and urged other people to go and see it. It's just beautiful mm. to see. And I, from what I hear from um, from the team at Breakout Pictures, it's done just as well Tuesday and Wednesday this week. So its midweek audience has been just as big, which does point to word of mouth. It points mm. to people who've gone to see it on its opening weekend and said, you guys have to go and see this. And then people are using their midweek tickets to, to really amplify the audience. So I'm really hoping that that second weekend proves to be just as popular and that it, it maintains. I just I want to see it in cinemas for as long as possible. Definitely. I think like word of mouth in regards to the arts is just so important in the sense of you know, sometimes the arts kind of really, any going to anything in regards to the arts, like the cinema or the theatre or anything like that, kind of comes down the, uh, at the bottom of the list because, you know, tickets can be expensive and, you know, life is getting more and more expensive. Um, so it kind of, so once you hear someone saying, no, you have to see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's it's easier than just kind of taking a risk or taking a punt on something, you know, that you, that you don't know. So the fact that it's, you know, people are going, no, you really have to. I think people are listening, you know, and uh, and trusting other people's opinion and getting out to see it. It's, it is, it's uh, smashing it, which is just fantastic. Yeah, good. So we're going to start into a little Jesse rant. Um, and the first one we're going to chat about is Jesse Buckley. So another kind of big release that's going to be coming out um, starring her is a film called Men, which is an A24 film, which I feel like always has big expectations. Yeah, there's a bit of an A24 cult around mm. these days. But yeah, they've just got great films on release. Yeah, so Men is a new film by Alex Garland, um, who is the director of great films like uh, Ex Machina and mm. Annihilation and earlier ones like Never Let Me Go. Um, it features Jesse Buckley in the lead role alongside Rory Kinnear, who plays basically every other character in the film, which is okay. like pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, really exciting high concept horror that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I love the kind of mad, she does mad stuff, which I yes. like the, that other film that she was in. I'm thinking about ending things. I just love like the risks she, she takes, but then also you see her in like Wild Rose. You know what I mean? Like she can kind of just do it all. Uh, and she really can do it all in the sense of that she won an Olivier for um, Cabaret, which is just unreal. Yeah, that's uh, it's the perfect kind of accolade for her to get. Yeah. Or what she did in that role that's oh she could just hang up her coat now like come on like what like what what can't she do she's amazing so um another jesse then that we want to talk about is the producer jesse fisk so she worked on films like wolf and song of granite and yeah. loads more mm. but she's been selected by the european film production promotion so the EFP yeah. as Ireland's producer on the move for 2022 which is yes. amazing so it's basically 
I was looking it up and it's like 20 of the most promising up-and-coming European producers. Yeah. Um, they're selected to take part in this EFP, like high-profile hybrid promotion and networking platform. Yeah. Um, I can't. So it's basically like speed dating for producers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but then they they also do a five-day on-site program, including like case studies, social yeah. events, um, and like just brought an introduction into you know the big spenders and the top dogs into the totally. production world totally like producers on the move is like one of those things where if we're if you're selected for it it kind of it massively accelerates your career as a producer and jesse's a producer who whose work we've been excited about at ifl for a long time we screened wolf a couple of months ago at our um, patrick's day film festival and jesse came across to the screening and was brilliant to meet her and um i know that she's been around and like working really hard funding her projects for a long time and it's just the work that she's involved in is really exciting so it's it's more it's even more so exciting to see a producer like that selected for for something like this and you can see her just her hard work kind of you know she's 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 moving up it's it's yeah. paying off for it's sure the hard work paying off exactly yeah. exactly so what's next then with if ifl's going on tour ifl's going on tour Woo! um <laughs> we're going to we're taking two films on tour in june we are taking new yorker time by vivian dick a film that won the best documentary award at the irish film festival london in november and a really special little film called to the moon by tygo sullivan um both of those are arts council ireland funded films um and both of them are on tour with us at multiple venues across the UK in June. So we are going to the CCA in Glasgow on the 3rd and 4th of June, Bank Holiday Weekend. Uh, we are in Liverpool on the 8th of June. Both films are playing on the same evening in Liverpool, a fact. And then in Manchester, we are at home, uh, which is Manchester's kind of premier venue for, uh, for indie film. And that's on the 14th and 20th of June. Uh, New York Our Time plays there on the, on Tuesday the 14th. And I believe 20th is a Monday. And that's uh, to the moon in Manchester. We may have more dates announced for that. So keep an eye out on the Irish Film London website. But if you go to irishfilmlondon.com forward slash events, you will see all the details for that tour. So if you are listening from Glasgow or Liverpool or Manchester, or you know people there, please, please, please send them our way. Let them know that these events are happening. Obviously, this these are events happening outside of London. So we need as much support as we can get to bring audiences down to them. They're really special events. I mean, want to see as many people there as we can amazing and then another important date for some filmmakers for ifl yes is the, the 30th. yes so the 30th, May the 30th. okay yeah, 30th of may submissions um submissions are open for the irish film festival london on film freeway they're open after the 30th of may but like it gets more expensive after that so our early bird deadline is the end of may get your films into us early we need to get them in early we want we're going to get hopefully you're going to send us your film anyway but if you want to get it in cheap get it in before may the 30th so we've already had loads and loads of really exciting submissions there's been there's some real corkers in there uh, and from from familiar names and some brand new ones and we are really excited to get pre-selecting on those and we want to see as many as possible so come and get them to me exciting exciting okay so this week's interview we want to put out a little disclaimer, don't we, Jerry? <laughs> we do. Yes, this is this is on me. 
Um, I mean, um, come on, it's okay. okay. Yeah. So th- this week's interview is with um, the brilliant cinematographer Kate McCullough, um, cinematographer on and Colin Kuhn and Aract and Normal People and I think Conversations with Friends actually as well uh, and loads of stuff. Uh, and Kate and I caught up a few weeks ago well in advance of um, the release of The Quiet Girl Um, and we had a really big long chat which went on for ages and we managed to get it down to a nice interview for you but I was full of COVID (laughs) full of the brim. All of the COVID, so I've sounded really nasal, and like I've actually, I'm actually dosed up on paracetamol, and I'm fairly like fairly chilled sounding to say the least. Um, it's a very, it's a lovely interview. It's very yeah. chill interview. Yeah. Um, Kate, Kate's uh, fairly laid back as well. Like she's she's like quite sort of soft, softly spoken, and everything as well. So between the two of us, um, maybe I'll bump up the levels so you can hear us properly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a really lovely chat, and I'll yeah. also as well like another thing. Same with Jesse, like just so excited to see more from them yeah exactly exactly yeah brilliant all right well thank you so much jerry and i hope everyone enjoys thanks so much see you soon Nave. bye If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films and invites to networking events and so much more. So check it out now. So I'm joined today by the brilliant cinematographer Kate McCullough. Uh, Kate, thank you so much for taking time to speak to me today. Not at all, delighted to join you. Brilliant. Um, you'll have to excuse my rather nasally um, presentation on this interview because I'm, I'm battling some sort of cold slash COVID or something like that. But we'll see how we get on. The mute button is a, is a great a great help. <laughs> um, but we'll see how we get on. Um, so, Kate, we're, we're here to talk really about your work on the new film, multi-IFTA award winning film, which is about to be released in the UK and Colleen Kuhn. Um, but you are a cinematographer who has a brilliant history in helping deliver images on uh, the images of Irish films that we know. I wanted to start off by asking you about your road to becoming a, a DOP or a cinematographer, um, like how you started out and whether there was any major obstacles you faced on the way. I suppose, you know what, the first question out of that is always, do you prefer the term cinematographer or director of photography or do you care? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I took a while to be comfortable to say director of photography um, because I would have started with documentary once I left college and in my mind there wasn't really a team to direct, if you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directing myself and maybe like, a, you know, somebody running around with boxes or <laughs> cases of things. So um, cinematography seemed to sit easier in that, um, in that period. But um, I think now, I mean, I, yeah, I don't mind either. 
I guess just director of photography makes a little bit more sense now that I would have like a team of maybe 10 or 15 or 20 people extra, you know, there is mm. an element of direction involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's talk about how you got to the position that you're in now with this team of people around you. Like, how did you start off in the in the film business? Um, so I think that I, yeah, I was always kind of drawing and painting and mucking around at home um, and uh, had thought, oh, I'm going to be a painter. <laughs> got to be an artist. <laughs> and I think um, then at a certain point, uh, it seemed like it was maybe going to be a very lonely existence. <laughs> okay. And, I thought, okay, I think I prefer to work alongside people. Um, and so, although I had sort of been accepted into an art school in, in Dublin, um, and that allowed me to kind of kick back and not really do anything <laughs> for my <laughs> leaving cert, which I thought, oh, this is perfect now. I don't I'm just kind of sail through these exams as long as I just kind of pass them. <laughs> and, uh, but then everybody seemed to be kind of getting into studying and stuff and then I thought oh well maybe I, I may as well do some of it and you know apply through the CEO regularly and so I put down um, the film video production course in Dunleary um, and also photography and I had I had done this kind of module in what we call transition year which is like a you know fourth year um which is sort of seen as a dosser year <laughs> but it was like a module on photography and I remember my uh, teacher at the time saying you know whatever you do don't go and do photography <laughs> <laughs> why is that what did they not think that there was like a career prospect in photography or something <laughs> no I, th I think he thought that I just was rubbish. So then I don't know if there was like definite like kind of reverse psychology happening there where I thought, okay, I'm going to show him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, between the jigs and the reels, I ended up, I didn't get accepted into the photography course, but I got accepted into the film course. And I really didn't know anything about film. Like I would have watched, you know, films at home, but not in a sort of nerdy, serious yeah. way. Um, I probably spent most, most of my childhood like running around with a football or, you know, I was quite into sport and yeah. being, being outside. But yeah, like I would have been sort of painting and drawing, I guess, in between that. But yeah, like cinema wasn't, you know, a big event with our family. Um, but okay. I remember kind of watching um, a couple of documentaries in my teens and thinking, oh, that's that's curious. Like, what, how are those made? Like, how do you put something like that together? Hmm. And, and so when I applied for Dunleary, it was like, you know, I just had a couple of still photos and drawings and sort of storyboard and stories and yeah, just kind of more sketchbook things. Um, so they seemed to think there was <laughs> something in that. Um, <laughs> and there was always this like rumor going around in college, like, oh, somebody's got on the course accidentally, <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> I was like, sure, it was me, you know, I was like the imposter. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I kind of kept my head down and actually for the first time I was like proper kind of nerding, you know, I hadn't really done that in school. Yeah. My sister was always very academic and, you know, super brainy. So I think I just kind of was pushing against that and didn't really do a whole pile in school. And then when I got to college, I was like, oh, okay, this is something that I'm kind of like interested in. And yeah, how can I figure this out? And I was so far behind in terms of understanding, like I, you know, I needed to kind of um, sort of tuck in. <laughs> and so it was a class of like, mainly guys I think it was like four girls um so anyway all the lads gathered around the cameras and (laughs) (laughs) get a chance to get behind the camera I think until like second year um and also I was quite shy you know and I come from an all-girls school so it was like you know you know (laughs) here's the yeah yeah (laughs) what do we do here how do we communicate yeah it was it was all kind of funny um so yeah so then so I did quite a bit of editing in first year and I think then yeah we had to choose like a subject to specialize in okay and um I think the the course lectures were like assuming that I would choose editing as a specialization and then somehow I was like no no no, I came here to like like there's no way I'm going to be an editor even though I hadn't really kind of shot anything I just sort of got feeling that like I needed to follow that what was in my mind yeah so that was that kind of become like I guess did did you already feel like you had a passion for it at that stage like if you were engaging with it in that nerdy way as you say like is it did you feel like you were just drawn to it or something I guess it was just like it just seemed to make sense for me like to right, yeah. use images to tell stories and to to be actively creating those images as opposed to receiving them in an yeah. edited scenario you know I guess maybe also when I was editing I thought oh well I see what they've done here but I would, would have done it differently <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, was, it was a good way to learn about the building blocks of putting a film together yeah Uh, but so yeah so then I I shot quite a lot of um short films at college and by the time I finished I was sort of a bit burnt out and wasn't sure could I actually make a career out of being a cinematographer because I couldn't see any other women in Ireland that were doing that you know and wasn't really any role models yeah in my vision or my in my sight you know um yeah I I think I kind of reached a point where like okay is this actually real or am I just kind of in some kind of college bubble (laughs) yeah okay uh, yeah so I I went and worked with the homeless for uh about a year and then during that time so I was like okay yeah no I really miss filmmaking (laughs) right that that's definitely you know my my space um and but still felt like I didn't really want to sort of assist or you know I wanted to be shooting um 
I didn't want to kind of go down the union route. So I applied for a bursary in Poland, of all places. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I was kind of drawn to, yeah, sort of Eastern European films and yeah, like I, I guess I was kind of pushing against a little bit the American sort of English way of making films, which is, I guess, I mean, I think Ireland is sort of somehow caught between the US sensibility and the European, like we're sort of this floating <laughs> island between the two. Um, but I was definitely more curious about the sort of European uh, way of doing things and particularly the kind of hidden messages that were coming through in Eastern European cinema, like where you had to kind of bury the bury the subject a little bit, you know, it had to be a bit yeah. subvert. And in doing that, they, they had to find, I think, more creative ways Im image wise to to deliver that. Um, yeah. Whereas like Irish Irish culture sort of very centered around words and um, literature. And so yeah. I wasn't necessarily being inspired by Irish cinema, like image wise that had gone before me. Mm. What so, kind of Eastern European films were inspiring you at the time? Um, I mean, of course, Kuslowski and um, like uh, Vida and, and uh, I'm trying to think what else was going on at the time. I mean, it, it was very like kind of surface, <laughs> you know, that mean, everybody would have been watching. I mean, I'm nodding, but like I have no idea who those people are. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not like sure three, that I would know those if you told me. Three colors, red, white, blue. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I know those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he did a brilliant series called The Decalogue. Oh, yeah. Series of one, one hour films, yeah. Um, based on the Ten Commandments. Um, and they're oh, brilliant. Okay. Really well brilliant. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it just seemed to be, to be a, yeah, just kind of a different way of looking. Um, and I think also I was just kind of ready to leave Ireland. Like I wanted to um, sort of challenge myself a bit. You know, I think it was a, a little bit of a home bird or what's the phrase? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I guess I was the youngest in the family. So I was always like, you know, just having it handy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but just more like, maybe protected a little bit in that way you know I was quite sick as a kid like um so I think that was probably part part of it but um yeah so so I went off to Poland and um yeah just kind of I think just finally kind of found my film community like there was lots of young women that were wanted to train as cinematographers and brilliant you know, so um a really great female DOP, Yolanta Dolewska, who would come and do lectures there. And so all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is something that's possible. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. seems kind of basic, like maybe to try and understand. I think, yeah, a lot of it was just believing in, in yourself that you can actually yeah. do this. It's not going to 
you're not going to fall flat on your face at some point. Yeah, yeah. You know, have to go back and work at home <laughs> doing, I don't know, something that's completely not related to film. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, did you did you find that that? Um, I mean, I guess you're talking about in a, in a sense you're talking about the pressure you felt as a woman and in a in a male dominated field in Ireland at that time. Like, do you, do yeah. you think that, that I mean, it, has that changed not, a lot? Not sure. It was like pressure, but it was more just like feeling a bit different. Like, right? I wasn't really sure who I was there. You know, like there wasn't a community or I didn't have a sense of community whereas at least I think with in Poland even though like <laughs> it was a huge kind of paternal sort of scene there with all the lectures were pretty much male and aging white men you know and lots of a really great experience but like yeah you know there would be a bit sexist and like the mm some of the crew the male crew that they got in to assist us you know like you had to find a way with them because you knew that right. because you were a woman they were sort of like already dismissing yeah. you in some way okay. but you know that I think that's probably it's good training because ultimately you have to go out into the world and it's you know it's going to be tougher again so I think um I didn't mind it, you know, it was, it was part of the course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the school there is just has a really good system of like sort of starting in black and white and then moving on to color, still filming on 35 mil. Um, by the time I was leaving, then students were choosing to shoot on digital over film, but it okay. was just around the time when, you know, the red, camera was I think emerging yeah making a bit of a making a bit of a wave I guess at the time like yeah, everyone was shooting a red for a few years weren't they yeah 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 it was like what is this you know <laughs> <laughs> but I think the main thing in Poland was that it was um you know there was free and open kind of criticism of your work so you had to kind of really stand for the decisions that you'd take and stand by them whether they were right or wrong you just right. had to take the responsibility for what you had done and it was like you you go into the little cinema there and everybody would pile in like your peers and um lecturers and then afterwards there would be sort of a commission where you had to like speak about your work and then they would sort of comment and they might even comment during the film as well <laughs> like <laughs> what is this yet <laughs> you know so yeah it was definitely um it was a sort of um formative <laughs> few yeah. years I think. also learning a new language and just sort of breaking out of uh my comfort zone yeah yeah that's dead interesting i mean if I think about your, if I think about like your body of work and and think about it in the context of that more, I, I guess European sensibility, um, I can I guess I can see some evidence of that in your work. Like, 
I, I, I suppose more specifically, like what you said about European film, I guess in opposition to that sort of British American, um, more sort of structured, like, um, I, I guess it's more based on like a narrative structure and like hitting story beats and stuff like that, rather than um, exploring a visual language, which I think is what you do really well in your work. Um, but one of the things that you do really well in your work, I suppose, but like, do you consider yourself to have a particular visual style that like is like the Kate McCullough cinematography style or something like that or, <laughs> or what? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I hope, hope that it's not the same <laughs> every time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I do just try and whenever I come to the script or projects, try and come at it with open eyes and ears and, you know, just really try and tap into what's the essence of, of the piece. I mean, of course, you're going to be influenced by where you're at at that particular time in your life, what what's what you're watching at that time or reading or curious about so I guess that's part of the sort of baggage that I would bring (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, yeah but sometimes you have to push away some of that to yeah to kind of open up to other ways of thinking like the main thing really is to sort of tap into the director's sensibility and then sort of from that open out a conversation and sort of an over and a back kind of debate about where the the look should go and what's the the rhythms of the film and the tone and the yeah even just the sound I sometimes get like slagged off or like you know I'll suggest the sound (laughs) that it should be for a particular (laughs) you know and the director is like yeah yeah okay okay (laughs) (laughs) which department are you in but yeah I think it's right, just yeah. sometimes you're not thinking about it. Like it's, of course, it's a orchestra of things, you know, so mm. can't think about cinematography in isolation. It's. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So do, do you think that your, the way that you approach projects has changed very much over the years? I guess. No, it's a good question. Like, um, I guess I probably have more of a sense now what's important to be considering mm. at certain points in the preparation of a film. So yeah. before it might have been a little bit more chaotic, <laughs> um, where I would think of ideas much too late and then they couldn't be implemented. Or I would, we would sort of prep in such a way that it would be like way too regimented so then when you get on set it's like you know you're not freeing yourself up to kind of respond to what's happening in front of you you're yeah. just kind of kicking off the box and like, oh great <laughs> one on the storyboard you know so I think there was probably yeah an element of kind of caution early on because it was all new so you had to put all the preparation in beforehand whereas now 
yeah, I, I still love preparing and sort of going through that process. But I'm, I tend to kind of put that preparation in the back pocket then and, yeah. and try to respond to what's happening as it unfolds. Because what tends to happen with prep now is that like everything starts to come into clarity in the last two or three weeks. Um, mm. And so you need to be ready to kind of make key decisions then um, as opposed to earlier. There's just very little you can kind of lock down earlier because everything's in this kind of flux. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So I think it's just, it's understanding the whole process better and at what point you maybe need to uh, convince somebody about doing something a certain way <laughs> you know <laughs> when to kind of push forward on that or when to sit back and um you know what what uh what things to fight for and what to sort of allow to flow yeah 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 do you think there's much of a difference in that process of prep and and like getting ready to create those images is there much of a difference in doing that between a film project and a tv project tv tends to be a little bit more of a marathon like features really like a middle distance (laughs) yeah i mean i suppose like on a your normal feature film you might have say six or eight weeks to shoot it if you're if you're really lucky (laughs) um and maybe a month (laughs) yeah maybe a month's prep and so on but a tv series is like blocks of like a few months at a time so you're probably there's like i guess there's ongoing prep in that sense for a tv a tv project like i'm thinking of the difference between something like something like arakt or and colin kuhn versus your experience on a a much longer running thing like normal people Hmm. something like that you know normal people was different in that i was following on from you know, a look that was set up already. So, you know, the crew were in place. Um, okay. The approach was in place. Um, so I was kind of coming in to sort of embrace that and sort of yeah, kind of own it. So it was more just, I suppose, making sure that that, that approach that I, you know, that I could sit into that and prep in a certain way to suit that. Yeah. Quite different to what anything I had done before because I would normally have, you know, begun everything from scratch. Um, Yeah. I mean, that must be a really different process in itself. Just like kind of, it's more industrial in a sense of like, you know, did you find, did you find it like, creatively stifling or anything like that to be in that position no, I like I uh, early on I, I had to kind of tell myself you know I need to embrace this and make it my that it you know it feels like my own expression otherwise I'll just yeah. be fighting within that you know okay um, and I could see the rushes coming in and how strong they were and you know how like the performances were really kind of the chemistry was there and that that was like kind of the key to the series um so it was just about kind of embracing it and then also kind of adding you know my little 
whatever it is <laughs> I bring to to a project that you know that I still felt like I was kind of being able to like free to express myself um yeah I think like the collaboration with Hetty was you know it just was very she was very supportive you know she's got a huge amount of experience um in tv and so she was able to kind of support me through that because it was only really my second tv series um the one the first one i'd done was blood um so that was definitely a big learning curve and then on normal people again it was like all oh, right okay this is how things are done <laughs> you know uh, yeah just just sort of navigating the politics of things and then also kind of holding energy for the creative side you know okay okay um so probably with a feature you just maybe well the features that i've done so far uh you know they're lower budget so you probably have a little bit more uh freedom to kind of just do as you as you wish and that you don't have to kind of negotiate that through a number of producers and executive producers yeah um you're sort of free to to do as you as you want (laughs) (laughs) which you know so that could be seen also as a negative thing that there's you're not being tested you know like the concept isn't being tested so think it's it works works both ways yeah okay it does sound like a a moderately different creative experience being on on the two like I've only ever worked on like smaller smaller budget features as well I've not really done any tv work um Mm. in in that sense as well so it feels like it's a bit of an alien alien landscape to me in a sense so obviously like you turn up and you you know you shoot the thing and you wrap it in the same way but like it's just like the i don't know what the politics of it are at all it, it feels like a like a like almost like a different world like there's a different skill set involved in it somehow or something like that you know it's a different I mean, way of consuming it yeah i think there tends to be probably more dialogue as well like just from my experience so you mean on the screen like yeah yeah mm maybe there's a higher page count then to cover for the day, but like, you know, you could have a very dense descriptive page of scenes that would take you a week to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a bit deceptive, you know. Um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a formative job for me. The normal people, you know, learned a lot from Yeah, it. yeah. Well, a film that isn't very dialogue heavy um, is the one that we're here to talk about. Um, so On Colleen Kuhn is probably one of those films which definitely has the more European sensibility to it in terms of like crafting images and um, creating a bit of a visual grammar around the way that audiences will understand the world that these characters are in. Um, like... I'd love to talk to you about how how you got involved in a project like that and then you know what your approach was to to making this story with um with the the, the directors and producers. Um yeah, I I don't really read a huge amount. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a foster um by Claire Keegan 
a number of years ago. Mm. And that's the, um, the short story that um and Colleen Kuhn's based on, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I just loved it. It was a beautiful book. As a reader, you can just sort of your imagination can fill in all the other parts, you know, it just sort of frees you up to kind of consider, you know, the themes that are suggested in these little micro scenarios. Um, and I just, I think that's just so powerful. Colin Barres uh, emailed me one day and was like, hi, I'm Colin and I'm adapting um, Foster um and i just thought wow okay <laughs> this is brilliant like i wouldn't because i think scripts can be quite clinical when you read them um yeah. you know they're, they're so stripped back um and yeah but i i was like you know and i knew the what was coming in the end but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah. God, so sad then i <laughs> i met up um with him and we had a chat and he sort of explained to me you know what sort of films he was into or was drawing inspiration from and yeah um it was his would have been his first um feature film and mm -hmm. uh, had done a lot of documentary previously um but he was very sort of like quiet and sort of considered way of talking and so i i just immediately we just seemed to kind of click yeah. um finally COVID came and it was like oh my god are we going to be able to do this and they had oh, yeah. and Catherine Clinch the young um, fantastic uh, lead um, and she you know he, he was like look if I can't do it this summer we're going to have to recast because it's just such a specific kind of moment in a child's life yeah. where you know even a year makes such a difference uh -huh. so anyway they got the go ahead and I think it was just like you know I think Valhalla or something had started it up again and then they, they got the green light to, to sort of head out into the COVID <laughs> whirlwind <laughs> yeah and um yeah like I guess you just seem to kind of click. I think that was sort of um, something that like, you know, I was thinking afterwards that it was almost like we had sort of made a whole body of films already together. Like, okay, you know, this was this kind of understanding and, and sort of appreciation of, of films that, yeah, it just seemed to be easy to communicate with them. Um, and to develop ideas and sort of work things through um and like even when we had we, we did sort of a test day as well and Catherine mm. and she was just so ready for the camera like she was you know she just sort of like <laughs> i'm ready for whatever it is like is going to happen with this film and yeah. we ended like I think using one of the shots from the test day, you know, because it was just already kind of working. Wow. Which <laughs> yeah. shot is that? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I would be giving things away now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to 
that would be your uh, listeners challenge <laughs> yeah 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 send us your answers on a in a postcard <laughs> the, wrong, the wrong set of curtains let's just say in the shop but nobody notices <laughs> <laughs> right okay okay very good um i mean like there, there's a really distinct visual language in in that film that that like takes in all these different settings that um that this young girl and her i guess foster parents um this this couple that have taken her in like um it felt to me when I was watching the film that the story told itself a lot in the way that in the way that you chose to frame these different locations and like especially I noticed this especially in the farmhouse so like there's a lot of shots where the camera was sort of just outside the kitchen in the living room space or you know over at the other side of the table with a, a really a really high a view that really took in like the ceiling of this this tall um this tall room and um in other spaces that like in the um in in the in the dairy or the milking parlor where they're they're sort of mucking it out and it's like this this static shot that's quite observational like a lot of that felt observational it felt a bit fly on the wall and it felt like you were kind of stepping back from the action in a sense whereas mm-hmm. other parts were really beautiful and poetic and there's you know there's bits of sort of ramped up stuff when she's running and and things like this that were you know I guess I want to ask you if there was like a particular language that you wanted to use or a way that you wanted people to feel across all those moments or was there you know was there a unifying visual theme that you were trying to bring into that I think we like Probably one of the biggest references was um, Lynn Ramsey's uh, Gas Man. It was a short film she made. And we just sort of talked around that film and was like, what, what is it that makes it so kind of... Mm. Um, like there's a sort of poeticism there, but it's also very kind of real. Yeah. So it straddles, straddles these two spheres. Um, and yeah, so it was trying to tap into that like you know that's a kid's perspective but also being able to sort of free ourselves up from that a little bit and and go with the lyricism of the moment um yeah and that there was this kind of other force at play i mean i don't want to give too much away but like just there's something kind of hanging over the house you know there's a, yeah kind of presence that maybe those kind of moments where it's not that it's somebody watching, but just that you're not um, committed to just being with Koch as a character, that it's, it's, uh, there's other factors in play. Um, I think one of the biggest sort of creative decisions was to uh, shoot in the one, three, seven aspect ratio. and I think that was, it just seemed to me that it was like the only way to shoot. <laughs> like, you know, I, I remember just mm. suggesting it to Colm and, you know, just the simplicity of this more kind of portrait quality to the frame where you mm. would sort of include a certain amount, but everything that's outside of that is for her to discover later. You know, it's it's like, 
she still mm. hasn't quite figured out the world it's there's still stuff to be on uncovered um and so i think there was an element of that just sort of trying to simplify down the 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 world in yeah. a sense because also claire keegan's writing is so kind of stripped back um and so it just it just seemed to i think also with the full frame um lenses and sensor uh that aspect ratio really kind of lends itself to where you, you can kind of see the characters within the space, but you're not allowing it to take over, you know, okay. on the size. So it, it is still very much focused on these people as opposed to this place. Yeah. For me, locations are a big, big factor in how you start to then find the frames and the blocking of the scenes and how that influences where the camera goes and mm. the rhythm of the scene and where things need to escalate or kind of pull back. So, you know, we really did a lot of work to get the right locations. Um, yeah. And, you know, just very kind of authentic and there's just so much layers there that then when you start to light, it just, you know, the, yeah, there's just I think that farmhouse you you've got these windows where you can see through you can see the like what's happening outside and also simultaneously you've got you know these drama unfolding inside and mm. I really wanted to make sure that we could see both those kind of existing you know there was quite a few windows that were north facing and we were able to sort of plan the day to suit that um, mm. and also that her Koch's family home was that was a complete other end of the scale. It was very, very small, cramped mm. kind of space. Um, and the windows, the walls were really very, very deep. So it was quite hard to get the light in, but then that's kind of the point of it, that if the right. light doesn't go in, then that's that's going to be your approach. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's, it's very, um, even though it's day outside, it could be any any time of yeah. the day it's just yeah. very light getting in and maybe that's from my documentary side of things but that I, I you know I want the location to sort of influence then how I'm going to shoot it as well like they have to kind of go hand in hand mm. um, and then the, I suppose the running scenes were about her freedom like her sense of finding herself and a sort of an elevated quality to it um yeah and the car there was quite a lot of scenes in the car as well which <laughs> yeah where it was like a lot of contortioning going on <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah we weren't using like remote heads or anything so it was me in the car like trying to get the camera into the right spot and so we had we used the sony venice which you can um it's quite modular you can move it into a smaller mode the rialto mode so mm -hmm. it just uh makes it very very compact so it's, it's quite useful to to get into the corners and i think those full frame lenses as well just really kind of come into their own in in the car because you start to see the 
the ceiling and the you know you feel like you're in in that space yeah yeah i mean i did actually feel like i was in the car with the characters when i was watching it it was no impression of being on a low loader or (laughs) or like any any green screens or anything like that which is you know i guess it's a different a different way of shooting a car scene but yeah i'm gonna we couldn't afford a low loader so um but it worked really well actually (laughs) yeah no it really did (laughs) um kate it's just it's been really brilliant to talk to you about um about this film that's that I'm really excited for people to see and about your career and to get a snapshot of what it's like to be an Irish cinematographer working on working on films like this um sure. before you go I want to ask you um I want to ask you these two questions that we're asking everyone that comes on the podcast this year I haven't warned you about this sorry <laughs> um so um do you have a favorite film like a favorite ever film of any kind i want to ask you what your favorite film is i also want to ask you if you have a standout irish film oh and i think a favorite film of all time i mean like paris texas i've watched probably too many times (laughs) yeah um i think it's useful like when you come back to those films that just the simplicity of storytelling you know it doesn't have to be kind of jazz hands um but like more recently something like maybe the lighthouse Um, oh right okay kind of inspired by that and uh titan was Mm. like a little kind of just jolted me out of the seat <laughs> yeah <laughs> in a way that like I just yeah like films like that I just find releases me out of my understanding of what a film can be you know yeah like might not watch it enjoying it like all the way through but just I suppose collectively as a a, a feeling at the end it's sort of like wow okay cinema is really so powerful and it can take us here there you know it can it can kind of yeah open out our perspective on things and yeah it just excited me I think like you know I think film particularly like feature film is in a very vulnerable space at the moment and yeah likes of Titan and Lighthouse have sort of re-inspired me that there's a, there is still a home for cinema like there's a reason why yeah it still exists as opposed to oh, everything can be done through you know tv series episodical work um brilliant so yeah <laughs> not sure fully <laughs> your question but <laughs> no you've given me lo- you've given me loads to to think about there i mean i i definitely agree with you on titan um it's def like I found myself just exploring everything about it after I watched it. It was so powerful. It made me feel a lot the same way that um Holy Motors did when I first saw it mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like about 10 years ago, which is another another bizarro French film, I guess. Um but <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> they're, they're good at that, yeah, for one reason or another. Um but yeah, but yeah very powerful. I've sort of loved to see that 
you know, I'd love to see Irish film just sort of release itself a little bit from feeling like we have to show our history or our, you know, like our guilt or our, you know, like, you know, the Catholic Church or, yeah, you know, of course, these are like really important themes, but maybe they can be explored in a whole new way, you know, I think like um, we might be a little bit sort of still caught in the weight of our past. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe because there isn't that many Irish films generated annually that we feel a responsibility to represent certain communities or certain uh-huh. history or, or stories um, within our community. But um, yeah, like let's say um, Kissing Candace, that was something that I was like, okay, that's definitely, is it, there is the background of, you know, Northern Ireland, there's a sense of kind of anger there, you know, that's sort of just bubbling mm. on the film all the way through, but it's not, it's not the classic kind of uh, story of Northern Ireland. It's, yeah, it's something else that sort of, for me, it sort of freed itself up from traditional storytelling. And I just, I did find that quite fascinating as a film. Like it has a sort of poeticism to it that allows you, frees you up to consider um, the war in Northern Ireland in a different way, like what, what it leaves behind yeah. afterwards. Like what's the remnants of, of a war? So, yeah. Okay, look, it's been really interesting to talk to you about um, about your work and your career and all these all these brilliant films that you've been and TV series that you've been involved in. Thank you so much for joining me. We look forward to um, the release of Uncanny Cune in cinemas across the UK and Ireland very very soon. Thank you.